Welcome to the High Life Podcast. I'm Meredith Wadsworth, and I'm here to help you on your journey towards honoring yourself every day. This is a journey of self-healing and self-discovery. Becoming aware of our subconscious root story, owning who we are, and shifting perspective, we begin to awaken to our higher selves, and with that, live a more intuitive, intentional, and fulfilling life. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the High Life Podcast. Today's episode, I have a very special guest, Bridget Ritchie. And Bridget Ritchie is an expert in human design, and she did a phenomenal job giving me a personal human design reading several weeks ago. And I loved, I loved it. So I, I have a little bit of familiarity with human design already. Um, and several years ago, I had someone do a reading for me, but I didn't remember a lot of it. And, um, and at the time, I don't know that it, I don't know how much it really sunk in with me. So I was curious to see now that I've, I've grown so much since then, and I've done a lot more internal reflection and self-development and personal growth and things like that. I was curious to see how much human design would, would resonate, resonate with me now and how much, um, how much more it would be able to, to help me and, um, and, and how I would be able to use what human design has to offer to my own advantage and how I show up in my business and my relationships, um, with myself and with others and, and, and all other areas of life too. And so I had a friend put me in touch with Bridget because I mentioned um, a couple months ago that I wanted to explore human design on the podcast. And so several of, of you guys um, reached out, giving me some suggestions and pointing me in direction to people. And um, I ended up reaching out to Bridget and she and I just really connected. And I I just loved, I loved my, my session with her. And she really took her time and made it really personal and very um, – very person focused. So rather than just kind of like spewing information at me, she would, she would talk about my design and then stop me and say, you know, how does this resonate? And, and where in your life have you seen this or, or how does this feel to you? Um, and, and it was more of a conversation and a dialogue. And I loved that. And it gave me opportunity to kind of share and reflect at the same time as her, as her sort of guiding me through my, my own personal human design blueprint. And I also wanted to have my own reading done before I brought her on to the show to talk more in depth generally about human design so that as we were going through the conversation, we could use my own design and what I learned from my own reading as reference. So you will hear throughout the conversation me sort of talking about how how different aspects of my design um, resonated with me and, and what it, what I, what conclusions I drew from it and things like that. Um, and she also references her own. So I think that that will be helpful for you as you go along to just sort of see an example of the kinds of things we're talking about. The other thing I recommend doing just so that you can kind of follow along and not be totally like, what the hell are they talking about? is before listening to this conversation, just go and check out your own design chart. Because if you don't have an idea of what the chart looks like, it's going to be a little bit sort of abstract. So you can just go to the link that's in the show notes, um, or you can just type into Google human design chart, and I'm sure it will come up with one like right away. The main website, I believe, is Jovian Archive. And all you have to do is type in your birth date, your um, the time of birth, and your... Um, 
the uh, place of birth, and it will spit out your design. And it may even give you just sort of a brief overview of what it is. But then looking at your chart and listening to this episode, you will have a much better understanding of the main key aspects of your chart. So having that with you is going to be really helpful as you listen to this episode. And I cannot recommend enough getting a reading with Bridget after you've listened to this if human design is resonating with you. It it is just an awesome gift to yourself um, or a gift to a friend, and I can see it as the kind of thing you know you you could do for for your own birthday or just for a treat yourself kind of thing, because again it's it's an investment in yourself, it's an investment in in self awareness and and that's something that is such a gift and and an act of self care. I think human design is so fascinating and I will continue to research and learn more about it and practice my own design because I think that's part of it too. As you'll hear us talk about, I think getting familiar with your design is one thing and it's just the tip of the iceberg. And then it's about learning to live in practice with your design in order to feel more embodied, more authentic, and to live your truth. So without further ado, because we have a bit of a long conversation, we'll just get right into it. Here is Bridget Ritchie. Talk to us about human design for those of us who have no idea what it is. Great. Well, human design is something I'm really passionate about personally because I find it to be a fantastic way to understand more about yourself. And really in this day and age, you know, there's a lot of invitation, I think, for a greater sense of self-awareness, new language to be using about how you operate and what's important to you and how you connect with others. So the biggest key word about human design that I think differentiates it between other personality typing tests or other ways of talking about who you are and how you want to show up is really just energy. It's how your energy works. And I really believe that um, your energy is your most important resource right now. It's, it's something that I think people are coming to realize is not infinite. And if we know how to work with it rather than against it, it can really transform the way we work and certainly our relationships and just our quality of life. So human design is an operating system really to help you understand how to know and appreciate and work with your energy. Yeah. And I've heard it also kind of used as like a, like a blueprint for, Mm -hmm. for like your individuality and, and how to sort of build on those blueprints, but not look at them as something that is like a permanent, like a permanent state of, of, of who you are, but like something that you can build upon. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my, my natural personality is very resistant to being boxed in. A lot of ours are right. Like people don't want to feel like, okay, I'm labeled as something. And now everyone who has this label is exactly like me. And so I think you're absolutely right. And using that word blueprint can help people say, you know, I can take this and adapt it and work with it. It's a very complex system. So there's a lot of pieces to it, which I really appreciate. It's not just these kind of three tips to here's who you are and that's it. End of day. It's really talking about deconditioning and moving greater into you being you. And you get to decide what you want to do with this information, how you want to test it, what resonates with you, what doesn't. Um, And so I think the complexity of it, I think the way that it just honors people and really helps them feel more acceptance rather than more kind of confinement is really really what makes it special. Mm, Yeah. And for me, I think too, like during our session, it was so helpful for me just to have a language around these things that I've sort of known about myself intuitively, but I've never heard someone like reflect that back to me and just like resonate so deeply. It just makes you feel really understood. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And I think oftentimes, especially because you and I did a discovery session, which means we did yeah. kind of a high level overview of what is your chart. And I agree, like sometimes people are seeking answers or they're seeking direction. And a lot of times the greatest thing that they can receive in that moment is really that mirror, that very like loving, honoring, affirming mirror back to you of who you are. And when it resonates so deeply, that's such a resource for people to start yeah. there, right? And how they want to grow and how they want to make decisions. And I do get that feedback a lot. I think it speaks to really how amazing human design is for people when they say, I've never heard it said that way. And that's because it does speak a lot into our unconscious, not just our conscious selves. Mm -hmm. And so there's this feeling of being known, which is such a powerful human experience. And again, such a great place to start when we think about how do we want to grow and and what do we want to focus on, Um, beginning with that kind of self-love, self-acknowledgement of this is me is if nothing else happens, I think that's a really powerful um, part of the experience of learning your human design. Yeah, totally. And so how would, how does human design, um, I guess, how does it work? Like how, how, how is your, your design determined? How is it different from say something like astrology or um, uh, what, what's, what are the other ones that are popular now? Like an Enneagram Myers-Briggs, yeah. Myers-Briggs, like all of those. Yeah. Like how is this different? And, um, and, and why is this something that you've, you have pursued, um, more particularly than any of those other kinds of human typing, so to speak? Yeah. So I think human design is really unique and that it brings together a lot of ancient wisdom, Um, specifically it does use astrology. So, you know, people oftentimes who are not familiar with that are surprised when I ask about their birth time and location, but even more, it talks through and really gives people a way to use in a practical sense. Um, some of the really profound truths and wisdom from the I Ching, from the Kabbalah, from the, from, um, chakras and even quantum physics. And, And again, really just kind of dig into it and let it feel like, let it resonate as you talked about that experience with what you already know to be true of yourself and what's possible for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, this idea of working with your energy and understanding the resources you already have and where maybe you've adopted some beliefs or programming or conditioning that you want to work through. It gives you a lot of these intuitive prompts, if you will, to think about things a little bit differently based on those systems. I personally did um, got really invested and now I'm a guide in human design because it just simply made an impact on my life. You know, I wasn't sold. I just, somebody recommended it to me and I'm always open to new things, kind of a, a new way of lens or being reflected back. And again, like sort of a system to think about my life because uh, I'm fascinated with relationships and human behavior in my in my other life. Um, and so I think for me, that was a really powerful testimony. It worked for me when I tested it, when I tried it on, when I really had this way of speaking to my partner or my co-founder, uh, I started to notice a real sense of, you know, I'm able to more lean into who I am. I have some new language and a new lens for um, what is important to me. And I started to test out some of these prompts and some of these concepts of human design in, in both leaning into these resources and strengths I have and asking some really deep, powerful questions about some of the programming that I, you know, we all have through our lives that human design pro- provides based on your body graph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, um, can you speak to some like maybe specific shifts that you have experienced now that you or since, since learning to embody your design versus maybe what you're doing before and, and faced a lot of resistance Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to give a, a, that's, that's a great point. What's this, what's an example. So I'll speak to my own experience and that is, as we'll get into in, in, in further in this conversation, there are five yeah. types and we say types, it's definitely not, you're not boxed in. They're not limited. They're so complex, as I said, and so kind of 
malleable um, that you can kind of work with them how they resonate with you. But I'm a projector, which is about 22% of the population. So if you think about it, if my energy works in a way that's really only 22% of the population, there's been a lot of societal messaging and programming around how I should show up specifically at work. And projectors just don't have the same amount of work energy that a lot of other types do. And so Mm -hmm. for me to keep it really simple, ideally I'm really doing output in my professional life about four hours a day tops. And that's just not necessary for a lot of other people are like, I can keep going, you know, I can take some breaks or whatever, but I have the output. I have the capacity to really plow through work longer and being a founder and a CEO and having, you know, multiple companies that I'm, I'm running. It was extremely challenging. My body was breaking down. I was experiencing real burnout. I was feeling like I couldn't show up as a parent and as a partner. And it took a lot of risk for me to say, maybe human design is right. I might need to acknowledge that I'll get even more done if I just realize that I'm not necessarily wired like 70% of the other people I'm working with who are there to more work consistently and have kind of more of a consistent energy around work. Mm -hmm. If I just have a lot of boundaries and accept and lean into the fact that for me, resting will make me more productive. And then I can kind of do these sprints. Um, it's, it's been, it's been at a cost to myself. Sometimes I think like, am I crazy? Am I just tired? What's going on? But when I've really leaned into that and decided, no, this is specific to my energy and specific to my design, I've definitely seen it pay off in my relationships and my work. And so that's one specific example of kind of um, an insight I got through human design that again, testing it um, has really proven that it it does work for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. So for people listening and they're like, oh, that's me, but they don't actually know what their design is yet. Like, is this, is that something that like you hear often where people are maybe, maybe they're one design, but they also resonate a lot with another design, or is that sort of how Mm -hmm. a lot of the nuances like are, are there and that, you know, you're not just being boxed in, but yeah, like, yeah. how, How do you, how does that work? Well, the cool thing about human design, and maybe we could even just kind of give people some language who are listening right now, yeah. is again, human design is an operating system based on your energy. And when, and when we say there's five main types, you know, just because I'm a projector, you might really resonate with that. I know you're a, gener- a manifesting generator. You might really resonate with parts of that as well. So what, again, coming back to that idea of, yes, the types matter, and I can kind of go over what those are, but there's so many other components that you'll notice will really show up for you. One being something called a profile. And that's actually more what your personality is in human design than even your type. Your type is really simply just how your energy works. So that's not necessarily, that doesn't define every component of your personality or the way you show up. It's just a great baseline for you to understand how your energy works. Because again, that will show up in relationship. It'll show up in your body. It'll show up in the way you eat. It'll show up in your work. So the five main types, um, all of the types that exist in human design, um, the one that's most common is called generator. And that type is really here to do consistent work. And they're really driven by being lit up by the sort of their dharma, their work path here and in life. And, you know, they really have this strong gut intuition, a yes or no about what's right for them. And again, they have the more consistent energy across the board to be doing work and to be building and to be, you know, in relationship. So that's about uh, 30 something percent of the population. There's, there's some numbers there that, that change depending on who you ask. You're a manifesting generator, which is another specific type. 
it's connected. It's a little bit similar to a generator, but it's a little bit more of like a punch. It's got even more energy to it. For me, I personally love manifesting generators the most because they feel like almost superhuman to me. They have a lot of internal resource of energy, just constantly flowing, which can be challenging, but it's really exciting in a lot of ways. And they want the kind of their hands on a lot of different pies. And they do have that real drive to find their work. Like, and when I say work, it's kind of with that capital W that like Dharma. Yeah. So there's generators and there's manifesting generators. That's about 70% of the population. And then there's projectors, like I mentioned, and we're really more here to kind of guide and lead. We're actually technically the newest type and we're actually not here to work. We're actually more here to, to sort of be and exist and just support um, these, these greater systems, these communities, kind of where we're going a lot of times in, in, in human uh, evolution. So a lot of times people who are getting human design can be projectors because they're so excited to find language to support people and guiding them. And our energy is much less so than generators. So about 22% of the population. Uh, the last two types is a, called a manifester. And there's where that old, when I think of a manifestor, I think of like that old school tribal leader from kind of, you know, earlier on in human civilization. They're very much these independent kind of revolutionary types, about 9%. I've got two manifestors in my life um, and they have a really powerful, but sometimes repellent energy for others because they're, they can be kind of controversial, controversial or provocative a bit. And then only 1% of the population. So the very, very least type that exists is called a reflector. And they really have, you know, they're very much amplified by the world around them. There's very little internal energy that they can access. They're really impacted by um, the, the, the energy and the relationships and, and also much more so by the movement of the planets than all the other types. And so knowing how your energy works, depending on which type you are, and you can find that out for free online in the human design chart can help you start at least kind of going, okay, here's sort of what I'm noticing in my body, my spiritual, emotional, mental energy, and how I can work with it. And there's more to that with the types they kind of describe also how your aura works with other people. But um, you, you can absolutely be a manifesting generator and not necessarily feel similar to your best friend over here who's a manifesting generator. Because as I said, with human design, there's so many pieces, whether it's profile, whether it's um, your authority, Again, we're going to talk about centers. There's a lot of other uh, components to it that help you feel like such the unique individual you are. You know, you really are. That's why the blueprint, your fingerprint is defined by all of these pieces working together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that alone too will speak to, to people who, who do know what their design is um, or who are going to listen to this and then go figure out what their design is. And, and they may right away say, oh yeah, that really describes me, but there may also be people who, who, who similar to me are feeling like, Oh yeah, like that sounds like me, but also I kind of sound a little bit like the other ones. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's, that's where, yeah, getting into the other things like the profiles and, um, and, 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 and patterning and, and, and your channels, which I thought were so interesting too, like channels and, um, and the gates, right. Yeah. All, all of these terms that I, people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but we'll, we'll get, we can get into those, but um, yeah. And I think that's like one thing for me that, that makes me, um, you know, not necessarily that you, that I'm like a believer in it now, but I think it makes it that much more, um, uh, well-rounded and applicable because it's not just saying like, Oh, like you were born at this time in this month. And so like all of you, you know, who are born at this time in this month, like are like this, and this is how you function, but it's, it's just so much more like unique to the individual. Um, so yeah, what's sort of like the, the next tier I would say. So once someone knows what their design is and they kind of get the, that general understanding of like how their energy functions, like how, how would someone then go about applying that 
to into their, their day-to-day or into their work life or their relationships? Yeah, I think what's great about human design is you can start very, very introductory and immediately have some things you can test in your life, some things you can really hopefully resonate with and start to experience, right? So you do not have to go deep in understanding every single channel and gate, which are really kind of your look through your chart more. You know, when you think about your type, there's, there's, a, there's what's called a strategy for every type. And so there's a self theme as they call it in human design, where it's like, Hey, I'm in my flow. I'm really showing up true to myself. I'm honoring my design. And then there's a not self theme mm-hmm. and really simply, you know, human design provides this sort of idea for you of what your quote strategy is. Meaning if you're a manifesting generator, you're, it's important to wait to respond. And some of the, again, again, for listeners, for people, I always have to laugh a little bit. This is very abstract language. But in a lot of ways, it's not because it's about how does, how does that experience resonate for me? So I'll give you my example just to kind of, again, keep it as practical as possible. As a projector, the strategy that I have in life is what they call wait for the invitation. And this is very, when I first heard that, I was like, what does that mean? Wait for the invitation, right? So if I knew nothing else about myself, I just knew I'm something called a projector and I'm supposed to wait for the invitation. That's really how I started. And I sat with that and was thinking, okay, wait for the invitation. So in my work life, in relationships, even in insight and wisdom on my body and kind of, you know, where I want to go and who I want to be as a parent, all those things, I started to think more experientially about that language rather than, you know, technically or intellectually thinking, I know what that means. Waiting for the invitation really means I, I have this familiar sense when I kind of light up and I feel this flow and I feel like the person on the other side of the equation has a yes for me, that's when things work. And so essentially a lot of human design is really about like how to not force things, but yeah. allow them to happen. And so waiting for the invitation for me was something I could immediately test. If, you know, I got a new client, I could say that I could stop and pause and feel in my body, which is something I'm sure you really appreciate in the work that you're doing, yeah. really getting more embodied and saying, is there a real invitation here? Do I feel this sense of a pull that's greater than just my reasons or my mind? is my whole self kind of saying yes to this feeling of being asked into something. And I'm not pushing myself or my ideas or my agenda, um, but I'm feeling invited. And so I did a lot of just conditioning around, like reconditioning around that and sort of removing from myself this idea that I have to sort of make it happen or just if it looked good on paper, but asking like relationally, energetically, am I being invited into something? Mm -hmm. So that's an immediate thing you can put to the test. And, you know, for all types, you have sort of this strategy to, to truly live from your energy source, um, that they provide. And I've had so many people say, I've kind of forgot everything else you said, but I tried my strategy and it's really changing this level of flow I'm experiencing. It's really changing this level of, um, ease and a sense of more abundant energy in my life, rather than me always wondering why am I feeling a little bit of resistance when I, you know, when I'm really trying, we're all trying. And yet I feel like human design does give us some tools to really lean into who we are. Yeah. I think that's a, that part really resonated with me too. When you were giving me my, my, when you were doing my session and my strategy is to respond. And I think as like, um, as a man, Jen, who has, you know, abundant energy and like all of these ideas and, and, um, I do have like a lot of inner, you know, resourcefulness that, um, I, I can tap into. Sometimes I do feel like scattered and that like, I don't know where to send my energy. And so I, I think realizing that I have my, my strategy is to respond is, I don't, 
I guess it's, it's, it's maybe similar, but not the same as like yours, which is to wait for an invitation, but it's instead to, to maybe, um, uh, more, more concentrate down, like what my choices are and, and, and respond to the one that has like a stronger, a stronger reaction towards, I think that's what I was, I took away from it. Let me know. Like, am I saying that wrong? No, I think that's perfect. I really feel the way you're describing that is like, again, this is internal. It's very experiential. And as you're describing that, I'm like, that's exactly right. I think the difference between waiting for an invitation and waiting to respond is for me, there's a little bit more of that, like interpersonal interplay. If you think about invitations, something or someone is inviting you in. And it's very important that I don't put myself, I don't insert myself in the situation. Responding in some ways is a little bit more proactive. There's, there's more sort of choice around that. How I picture some manifesting generators or generators operating the world is just kind of pausing Mm -hmm. and observing and watching what's coming towards you. And then, like you said, deliberately and strategically saying, okay, I'm going to choose to respond to this. I'm not going to respond to that. I'm, it's not a passive response. It's not yeah. a posture of just like, I'm going to wait around and see what happens. It's saying, I'm not going to initiate or force things, but I'm going to trust that the universe and that, you know, really I'm is bringing towards me the information and the people and the resources I need. And then I make a powerful choice there to respond mm-hmm. um, based on my gut. Cause again, your, your sacral is really important. Your intuition is so physically important to you. And so we are, we are operating differently, but I like that we both described our strategies because, you know, again, just other man gens might feel differently about what it means to respond. I might yeah. feel differently about waiting for the invitation. That's what's so beautiful about human design. It really invites you back into your body, into your experience, into your truth. Yeah. And you start to build these, this muscle memory, right. Of like, mm-hmm. Oh, this feels like responding. Yep. I'm ready to do that. You know, or, Oh, this feels like a real invitation and kind of only, you know, for yourself what that means. But again, it's not a belief system. It's an operating system. So testing it out and trying it really helps you develop your own sort of muscle memory around these really helpful strategies. Can people of two different designs have the same strategy? So can someone who's like a projector and someone who is a reflector have a strategy to respond? Or is that something that's unique to generators, manifesting generators? Yeah, they're all unique to the types. So the the short answer is no. Uh, Although manifesting generators and generators are essentially the same thing. They're part of the same type. So they both have, you know, to respond. Um, But again, what's so cool about human design is that, you know, you're probably just to kind of put it simply, you'll probably feel more like other four sixes because that's your profile. Then you might feel like other man gens. So, you know, you might feel like, oh, we're sort of showing up the same way. We have more in common um, than necessarily other man gens. And, and there's a lot of other things as we talked about too, in terms of the conditioning of your centers and some of your, these resources called your channels. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice a lot of overlaps, which I love because it really, it's always about bringing it back down to just appreciating what we have truly, you know, similar to others. But I think often we don't realize um, how unique and how special and how specific we are. And we're kind of expecting other people around us to show up in relationships and work like we are. We don't, we don't even realize honestly yeah. often how unconsciously we're sort of assuming like, well, why don't you just work like this? Or why doesn't intimacy look like this for you? Or why do I get this feeling that your energy is being drained right now? And this is really lighting me up. Um, so I, if nothing else, I really think human design just helps us enjoy and celebrate our similarities and differences with other people in a really unique kind of specific way. But 
that I think is so important as a society moving forward, Yeah, how we can really acknowledge and appreciate that other people are not showing up with us in the same way we are Yeah, and pausing and observing and enjoying our differences, I think are going to be crucial for every, every person in, in relationships and work moving forward. Yeah. And I think it's also a great way to honor and respect the things that don't come naturally to us. And, and recognize that like, that's, that's like an intentional part of who we are. We are intentionally designed to maybe not have a strength in this one area because this is where we actually thrive. And that's another, that's, that's an area meant for someone else. And to see it from like an intentional place rather than like, there's something wrong with me that someone else is good at this and I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and seeing it, seeing it differently can help you to not only appreciate yourself better, but also the strengths and, and, um, not even see them as weaknesses, but just see, yeah. just see people for their strengths. And then the places where, you know, you, you thrive and they maybe don't, that's just, it's just because of your, your difference and not because that one person is better than you or, or, or Absolutely. worse. That yeah. is so fundamental to human design. They really say there's no better, worse, there's no right and wrong. Yeah. We all have these really beautiful stories. And I think what's powerful, even about the origin of it, I've never really thought about it like this before, but it sort of speaks to these greater systems, right. Of quantum physics or astrology, like we didn't just kind of show up and decide who we're going to be. We really have these incredible stories generationally. Um, and, and so many pieces are at play in, in how we're showing up. And so what I hear you highlighting is that yes, human design is all about celebrating yourself as an individual, but there's an inherent acknowledgement that we're really part of a greater collective. We're part yeah. of this tribe. And if we're trying to do everything ourselves, you know, this kind of American dream of like, I'm going to both be you know, really amazing at rest and self-care. And I'm also going to be really great at bringing insight and direction. And I'm also going to be the engine driving the company. It's just, there's this pressure to kind of be all the things we admire. And I really love supporting people to say like, when you lean in and own how you're designed and you're not trying to be all things to all people, you're creating space for other people to come in and really be that for you and learn about that. So I agree. I think that's a really important kind of part of the paradigm, if you will, of human design is saying we're these fantastic creatures, these individuals, and we're part of a greater collective. And it works so much better when we honor that and let other people show up as they do naturally and play their part in this story, not have to kind of do all of it for ourselves as individuals Mm -hmm. on an island. Totally. Like we're all part of this bigger, greater puzzle. And we are, we are meant to be dependent on other human beings and on community. Absolutely. And I think so much of, of, of modern culture is just, is emphasizing people, you know, individuality, which is a good thing, but like not just individuality, but like the, the, almost to the point of isolation, you know, to the point of you need to get everything from yourself and, and to be, you know, to be a well-rounded human is to, is to have your foot in all of these different, you know, um, areas and to, and to pursue them all. And, and rather than just finding the places where you really that really light you up and, and allowing that to be like part of your Dharma, part of your purpose. I think that's like that part of human design. I think that also is really cool is that it does like so many people are like, why am I here? Like, what am I meant to be doing? And, and instead of like looking for like one specific activity, maybe your dharma and your purpose is just like embodying your particular energy. And like, that is like how you occupy space. And that in turn gives other people permission to do the same. And that like is what moves society forward. 
I could not say it better myself. That is profound. That's exactly it. It's really exciting to think about in a post-pandemic world, how are we wanting, what serves us and how we identify, right? And how we contribute. This word contribution comes up in my coaching all the time. And I see yeah. people light up because they don't want to just contribute a task or a role. They really want to feel like they're contributing to a larger collective, a community. Maybe it's just their little subculture, or maybe it's the world at large, but they're really seeking this, this type of meaning. And I really think that we are, you know, we're not so much identifying as much, although we still are with things like our neighborhood or our religion, or even oftentimes our gender, we're kind of really wanting to seek new ways of identifying so we can contribute and really have language for other people about what, what lights us up, how we can really be quote authentic in our own being, in our own bodies. And so I really think the time is now for people Human design is one tool. There's there's some other things out there right now that I feel like are not new, but they're really supportive in the sense that they're helping people say, I need a, I need something more in, in, in the sense of my purpose right now. I'm looking for um, an even more fundamental way to understand myself and the contribution I can bring. And like you said, if, if all we did was just really lean in and celebrate and understand more about our energy... Uh, I think that just translates across all of the consistent change we're experiencing as a, as a globe around the world right now. It's just, it's such a disruptive time. So coming Mm -hmm. back to the truth of who I am and how I can contribute, it's going to be so crucial and we need some new tools for that. Yeah. So beautifully said. So talk about, um, profiles. So you, you mentioned like some numbers there. So what do these numbers mean? Great. Yeah. So profiles are really fun because they're sort of, like I said, the most, the closest thing to what's my personality and there's 12 of them and they combine basically your unconscious wiring of energy and your conscious wiring of energy. And in human design, you know, they, they really value and have a reverence again for, um, the moment that you were born, you know? And I think for a lot of people, they're like, is that just random or arbitrary? And I think they would just, you know, sort of argue that there's something very spiritual and something very, um, scientific in a lot of ways about, about how that could imprint on you, you know, when and where you came into this world. And so that day that you were born is considered your conscious design and your unconscious design, according to human design was really sort of formed and shaped about three months before that. So they're just wanting to bring together these sort of two real, like, energetic signatures in your profile. So every profile is two numbers. Mm -hmm. And essentially the simplest way to put it is you'll probably, it's themes and patterns. It's parts of your story that you notice from birth till now that you've really had this experience of this shows up for me. And it's, it's a little bit like centers to me where I'm feeling like you're probably grappling with that. There's been times when you've enjoyed these patterns and themes, and there's probably been times when you're like, why is this happening to me? So for example, for you, I'll just use your, your profile if you're, if you're cool with that. Please. Yes. <laughs> um, you're a four, six. So a four is a, just a very social, um, a very, you know, networking, relational opportunist person. And so a lot of your uh, patterns and themes you'll notice is that many doors open through relationships for you. Many ideas come to you through relationships. You know, you might not be the most extroverted social person in the world, but you know, your community, your relationships are very much guiding and shaping the way that you show up and how you know yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the sixth part of your profile is this theme of, of a drive to be a role model, to really embody a new way of doing things. And because I know your incarnation cross, which is essentially kind of the greatest theme of your life, it's all about love. So you want to role model love, love of life, love of the body. And there's just this kind of insatiable, I don't, if you're having a good day or a bad day, you know, whether you were 12 years old or whether you're 
you know, 52 years old, there's always going to be some innate desire for you to embody a new way of love, of loving your life, of loving your body. Um, and so it's just, it's a powerful thing to look back and notice, oh yeah, like it's always been around for me. It's always been these patterns and themes of voice. I have an opportunity to really take those patterns and themes and not just think they're random, yeah. but actualize what's possible for me when I show up in my correct energy signature to make those things come to life and own those parts of my story, AKA my personality. Yeah. And I mean, Hey, if that doesn't describe me to a T, I don't know what else does. Um, yeah, I mean the, like all aspects of that, like really resonate with me too. And, and like, in terms of the social aspect too, it's true. Like I am actually, I'm naturally an introvert, but, um, so right off the bat, maybe I would think that, you know, oh, mm-hmm. I, I do well, you know, being on my own and yes, like while I do, like I, I gain energy and, 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 um, uh, recharge in, in isolation, not, not isolation, but like, you know, in my own time, in I'm my own time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I am very, um, I am very particular in, in who I do spend my time with and who that network is. And I make sure that those people are incredibly inspirational to me and that they also like they, we feed off of each other. And, um, I do find that I get, you know, some of my best ideas when I'm in conversation and in dialogue with someone else. Yeah. And, and this is a, it's a funny, um, thing too, like even, even within business say, so recently I was, um, I even mentioned on an Instagram live I did recently that I was afraid to do Instagram lives because I was timid around like not being able to, you know, what if I, what if I say the wrong thing or what if I kind of lose my train of thought or whatever? And I was talking to a friend and she was like, well, why don't you like just do more lives like with other people? Because you're good at responding. Like you're good at having conversation and bouncing ideas off each other. And like when you're in conversation with someone, you can just kind of like take it and run with it. And that's why like the podcast is so great. And, and so it's true. I was like, when I thinking about it in terms of my, my particular design too, like, there you go. There's that, like that responder um, yeah. strategy tied in with the profile of me really feeding off of other people's energy. So I just like right there, I think that's, that's so cool. Yes. And just even you noticing that helps you, I think in so many ways, um, you know, keep your eye out for that in the future. It's like the yeah. next time you run into this feeling of being like, I, I feel, I feel like I have this desire to, you know, build this project or kind of start this new way of, of doing work. Um, now you already have, again, that strategy of, okay, who can I get involved? How can I have a conversation about this yeah. so that I'm not just kind of making it up on my own? Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, okay. So there are now these channels that I want to talk about. And I thought this part was also really cool and like very eye opening for me, um, where we have closed channels versus open channels. Right. And if I'm saying that, correct me if I'm saying any of this wrong, but that, centers, centers, cha- not okay. Centers, not channels. Yeah. Yeah. No, no worries. So the centers, as you'll see, when you kind of pull up your body graph, they're these like fun little shapes and they're really based on the chakras. So they're very kind of recognizable in the, in the kind of map of your body. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but you're right. The channels are kind of these like electric currents that connect these centers. Um, but I do feel like when people learn their type and their strategy and their profile, the next place where I feel like there's a lot of real light bulb moments, kind of the first time in human design is you kind of go through the, you know, the large, you know, kind of overview and you start to dig in centers for me are such a beautiful part of the process because they really are probably the key way to understand our conditioning. 
and, you know, the things we picked up often unconsciously uh, along the way. Yeah. And that's because when you have what's called defined centers and on your chart, you'll see that they're colored in and, you know, they're sort of like, you know, defined is a great word for them. Yeah. Um, that means that that's just your internal wiring. You have sort of this energy resource based on a specific kind of associative, and I can talk through what they are. Um, but you have this like specific energy resource that's just coming from within you. It's defined. When it's open or white on your chart, also known as undefined, it's a space where, you know, you have been impacted by the energy around you and you're amplifying it. So it's really powerful because like you said, we want it, we are impacted by other people. We want to be impacted by other people. Sometimes yeah. along the way, we may have been impacted in a way we started to believe things or get wiring or kind of stories around things. And so this is the opportunity in human design to just call into question some of the potential condition you have with open centers. What I think is so beautiful in terms of this kind of greater paradigm of human design is they talk a lot about how these open centers really are a wisdom center. If you think about it, if something comes naturally to you, you don't necessarily have a lot of wisdom around it. It's just kind of this great talent, this knowledge. Yeah. When you have a process with something, that's when you really have a deeper sense of authority and wisdom. So kind of to get more specific, I can just speak to your chart, for example. Mm -hmm. You have a defined G center right there in the middle. I'll just pull that one up. And so that's the yellow, the yellow diamond. That means that you have a real innate sense of what is love for you, love and identity and direction. And so for you, you know, you're going to experience love with other people. You're going to experience romantic and friend love and family love. And it's going to feel like a signet, your signature. You're not necessarily going to be shaped or completely defined or conditioned around you. Um, you're going to know it. You're going to say, this is me. But if you look down on your emotional center, it's also called the solar plexus, it's undefined. And that means that you're picking up, you're amplifying, absorbing emotional energy all the time around you. Mm -hmm. And so people who have that oftentimes don't necessarily know, is this your emotion or mine? How do I have emotional boundaries? So I'm not just constantly kind of, you know, fire hosed with other people's emotions. And so human design gives you strategies to ask, you know, are you avoiding confrontation? Are you avoiding truth? Are you owning your own emotions? And there's these great prompts they give you with these open centers to realize I might have some conditioning in this area. And that's not a bad thing. That's a beautiful part of my story that I have an opportunity to have real wisdom in, but I do want to sit with the potential that it might not just be my story. I might've absorbed some beliefs and some programming along the way. Yeah. Yep. And I remember when we were going through all this, it was speaking to me so, so much. What are, what are some of the other energy centers and, and what, like, how, how might someone who has a closed versus an open one, um, how might their energy, you know, um, yeah. interact with or their programming, maybe even yeah. Yeah, show up differently. Um, so I'll give you an, a couple other examples I and mean, we can, depending on, on what you want to be doing, we can kind of go through all of them, but I, I want to speak to this will center because, you know, as we were talking about in this kind of hustle day and age, and as people are really trying to rediscover what work means for them, this will center, there's actually three names for it, not to be confusing. It's called the heart. It's also called the ego and the will. I like will because I think it kind of gives people a picture of it's this kind of driving force of resiliency. It's like, I can push through hard things. I have this sense of, you know, consistent ability to really kind of have a strong will. Right. Well, the reality is, is it's under like 20% of the population has a defined will and we're all pushing ourselves to really be able to kind of power through. 
Um, But you have an open will and you actually have no energy directly towards it, no gates and no channels. And so the question that human design would ask you isn't so much around like, can you power through things? Because chances are you probably can. You're probably absorbing and amplifying other people's divine wills around you. The deeper question that human design prompts with people with open will centers or or harder ego centers is what am I trying to prove or improve? There's a real question around value and worth with people with an open center, yeah. which can be painful sometimes to hear because you're feeling like, uh, I am questioning sometimes my value and worth and trying to understand what it really means for me. But again, as a reminder, you're going to have a profound wisdom around what it is to be valuable, what it is to be worthy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, that's like one of my mantras It's just like that I have to repeat and I come back to all the time is like, I have nothing to prove. And, and it's, you know, it's one that I, I used even before I knew what my design was. Um, but it's just, it's just crazy that, you know, that's, it, it literally is deliberately like a question that I, I should be asking myself regularly. And, and like, especially within the context of the work that I do, which is so much around cultivating, you know, a deeper sense of self-worth, self-connection and, and, and recognizing that as like innate and inherent in, in our being. And, and it's not dependent on external things or, or what we do or relationships and things. And, um, and I can speak so much to it because I think this is part of my design that like, it's because like, it's, it's something that I am meant to, to grapple with, like in my existence that I can speak to it in a way that resonates with other people. Because as you were saying, like when your center is more defined, it just kind of comes to you naturally. Whereas yeah. for me, it's something that I continually have to work towards. And ultimately like we become the best teachers in the things that we struggle with the most. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where the conditioning is again, it's just a powerful opportunity. And I love how you're speaking to it as a six, right? The role model in you is saying, and, and the manifesting generator, the work you're doing is helping other people come into their worth and value. And you're embodying that. I mean, that's like a great intersection of so many parts of your chart. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really the opportunity we have. It's not this fear of like, Oh no, I, you know, I'm being conditioned around my worth and value. It's if anything, I have an affection for these undefined centers as being like, the most beautiful part of our stories, because it's often, like you said, the drive we have to bring a change to the world comes through these things that we have to grapple with, as you said, negotiate with, like really find for ourselves. Um, And it's great. It's great when we have, you know, all these innate kind of reference points and these sort of resources of going, yeah, I know what my intuition is. Like, I know what my voice is that feels good. And it really helps us contribute more. But that those like moments, those painful moments of, I really have to have a process around this often is what I see people expressing in their contribution and in their work, in their relationships. They're bringing that deeper wisdom where they've had some conditioning and had to do the work to decondition. Yeah, totally. Cool. So that's the will, will and ego center. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's another one that's key? So I think a fascinating one, and again, we can even kind of go in order, but I just, I'm hopping up here to the throat center. Yeah. It, I, almost just because I think it's interesting in that for human design, the throat center is representing your voice, not just your vocal, your, your, your audible voice, but really your, your inner voice. And what's fascinating about human design is that this is the manifestation center, which I just love. I think that's powerful. It's like words have power and our inner voice and what we speak into existence. And it's very connected oftentimes to quantum physics principles, but it's like this, this reminder from human design that your voice is connected to your ability to manifest. And if we aren't sharing with other people, what lights us up. And if we aren't speaking truth and we're instead operating in some fear, some control and kind of speaking that into existence, um, we're, we're limiting our ability to manifest. 
And so for you, what's beautiful is that you have a defined throat center. So ultimately, you know, you're not grappling with seeking attention or seeking validation in your voice. You might be at moments. Absolutely. We all are. But, yeah. you know, overall, that's not necessarily the, the theme or pattern you're wrestling with. What's cool is that your throat center is directly connected through a channel. As we said, those like those electric currents between centers from your throat to your intuition. So you're really able to express your intuition when you're in flow, when you're yeah. in flow and you're in the right space and you're in the right people, you can say in a more mysterious way, like, I'm just feeling this and people around you are lit up by you expressing your intuition. So that's a really special center to me because it's so connected to manifestation. It's really helping people understand their voice and whatever it's connected to is really where you can speak into your own life, other people's lives and, and partner and collaborate better with people when you know hold on, I'm not being heard here. Let me come back to my intuition. Maybe not my ideas, maybe not my emotions. Let me start with my intuition and chances are I'll really be heard. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Yeah. So a couple other ones that are really fun is um, we start at the top here. It's the head center. Mm -hmm. And this is the center for logic, inspiration, and ideas. And uh, I really like, there's kind of different prompts around here if you have an open head center, but the one I like is, am I answering my questions or am I answering other people's questions? And oftentimes when I ask people that with the open head center, they're like, yeah, that's, that's a good question about my energy. Yeah. The second one right below, it's called the Anja and it's really our processing energy center. It's like how you operate, how you analyze the systems you put these, these ideas into. And, you know, we all take that for granted, but like, there's this way that we integrate new information that is specific to us. Um, so oftentimes if you have an open Anja, you can kind of be feeling some insecurity or instability around how you make choices, how you integrate information. It's really good to come back to this kind of confidence. Like the way that I integrate information is beautiful to me and it might change. It's not always the same. And so I don't yeah. have to defend my, you know, the ways I'm thinking or the choices I'm making from that yeah. one below. That's the throat. We touched on that. And below that is the G center. Um, it's, it's really the most evolved center there is. It's that center for love and identity. And that's, that's so important as, as humans right now for us to be um, leaning into what is love and direction and identity look, look like. And if you have an open G center, like I do, there's nothing wrong with that. It just means that you can kind of try on different types of love and you're really impacted by the people around you and how you feel your direction and feel your identity. Mm -hmm. You're not a chameleon. You're just someone who can kind of be, you know, trying on different ways of being and it's true to you. Yep. The will centers below that, so that little, you know, little triangle under there that we touched on. The bottom right is that solar plexus, AKA the emotional center, which yours is open all about emotions. And then down there in the middle, it's a red square. If it's defined, it is your seat. And it's work life energy. It's that very kind of fundamental buzz of like getting things done. Sorry. It just the connection like cut. Would you mind just repeating what that last one was? Oh, sure. Definitely. Okay. So kind of below the, um, the G center there. Um, in the middle bottom, it's it's red if it's defined, it's called the sacral center. And all generators have that one defined. And it's really, it, they call it your sex work life energy. It's that kind of fundamental buzz across of generators being able to do output. It's about building, it's about providing for. Um, and so that's a really powerful center for generators. Um, and then the one below that is, is the root center. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of pressure to get things done, pressure to kind of get all these tasks. The, the prompt that human design asks if it's open is, Am I trying to get all these things done so I can feel free? It's, it's a pressure center. So there's a lot of adrenaline associated with it. Yeah. And then the last one is the bottom left triangle and that's called the splenic and it's your intuition. 
So if it's open, you probably, you know, are experiencing your intuition more through the relationships, the energies around you. And if it's defined, it's actually a pleasure center. You really have an innate understanding in your body of what your intuition is. And it's not really being impacted or shaped so much by the people around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then in, in looking at, 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 at our charts and, and seeing what places are open and closed, like, again, can we use these prompts and, and apply them to like, you know, situations in, in work or in, in relationship to others, like whether it's in partnership or friendship or family dynamics to, to, to have like more authentic connection and, and, um, and feel like there's less, um, butting heads, you know? Yeah, no, it's fascinating to me, for example, how these closed and open centers play, because like you're, like you're pointing out, this is really a space in human design, obviously gates are too, but centers are really that what we describe as connection, what we describe as impacting that feeling of I'm impacting you in a certain way and you're impacting me. So I'll give you a very specific example. My partner has a defined spleen down there on the bottom left and I have an open spleen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I'm around him, it's literally almost like addictive. They say for people with an open spleen, when they feel that defined intuition, they're getting so much intuition energy from that person. It feels so good. And they're like, okay, cool. I'm tapping now into my intuition by being around you. Um, the, the question, the prompt, if you will, with an open center down there that, uh, human design gives me is, you know, often because I'm seeking that sense of defined intuition around me or that, that gut inner knowing I can sometimes hold on to things that give me that sense, um, too long. I'll be Mm -hmm. too dependent on them. So the question for an open spleen is, am I holding on to what is not good for me? And so, you know, in relationships, maybe you're holding on to relationships that are not good for you or habits or ways of feeling your body. Like even, you know, they talk about addictions and things for open spleens, like ways of getting into your body that might not be good for you. Yeah. And so when you're with an open spleen or a defined spleen, you don't want to depend too much on each other. It's kind of principles of healthy boundaries and saying you're one source of intuition for me, but I need to go find other healthy ways of feeling that embodied sense of intuition for myself. Does that make sense? So like totally. we're playing off of each other. Yeah, totally. So uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't particularly, I don't have a partner at the moment that like I can sort of play things off of, but I think even within, yeah, with even within like friendship or, or, or siblings and parent dynamics, I think, um, this can be really helpful and, and, um, can, can people also just like search, search other people's designs for them? Um, and, yeah. and, and like when, when people look up their chart online, like can, um, do they get sort of a, like a rough breakdown of, of someone else's chart or. Yes. My favorite thing to do is absolutely partners, friends, co-founders, family members, because I do feel like the kind of most potent, if you will, wisdom of human design comes through giving people language for these nuanced interpersonal dynamics. Yeah. Just meaning how are we impacting each other and celebrating that, enjoying that, and also giving you communication skills to help you express, here's how I'm showing up. I'd love to learn about you. Mm -hmm. I I often get people requests of saying like, oh, can you look up my boyfriend's chart? I will say, obviously, like I we, we need their consent because <laughs> oftentimes I think it is. And that's just my personal opinion. Like sometimes I feel like it is a personal thing. Um, so I'll always be like, well, ask them and I'll check it out for them. But I do feel like in my experience of coaching, that's where people really get the most out of it. Yeah. It's what you described. Like knowing yourself is so important and having language for that, that you can bring both to yourself and other relationships is great. Leaning into these prompts and knowing your strengths, all that's fantastic. Where I see people say, wow, I'm really seeing a change is when they have this kind of shared experience with a coworker or with a partner or even parent to child. And they can say like, 
not only can I have just self-awareness and some new tools for myself, but I'm given a true insight and picture into how this person I've maybe know I've known, you know, I've been married 17 years this summer and I'm still, this is the new kind of fresh way for me to really understand this person who I've been in partnership with this long. Um, it gives me a much more kind of nuanced, uh, experiential way of going, wow, you are really having a different experience than me. So yeah. I can't recommend it enough as far as a tool yeah. of helping people connect deeper and experience more acceptance. Um, but yeah, you can definitely look up your chart. It's, it's all over. I, I really recommend, um, getting that person's permission and, and then looking up their chart and, and really digging into how you both resonate, how you're different and how you can go deeper in intimacy. Yeah. Um, I love that. I think it, it's, it, it brings into this, like this element of, of, of compassion, both for self-compassion of understanding, like this is how you function and it's different from how your partner functions. And, and also, you know, giving, giving it yourself a different perspective when, whether you are in, in any sort of conflict with someone, but also, you know, if there's a difference in how it, it kind of ties in almost like love languages too, you know, like yeah. how, how you interact with each other and how, like what, what one person needs, needs is going to be different than from yours, but that doesn't mean that you're incompatible. It just means that like having this deeper level of awareness of it can come, can, yeah, get, break down some, some walls that may be there because there's, there's, um, this like lack of understanding of the other person's experience. We really need it. You know, I mean, I hear you in terms of, you know, kind of giving people these tools and saying, it's not necessarily that we're incompatible, but you know, we're have a very different experience and, you know, to be totally transparent, I've had some really challenging relationships this year, like, like moments where I felt like deep, you know, powerful relationships, were they going to work? Were they going to last? I've had some very personal relationships break down and some professional relationships break down. And I have absolutely needed this language. It has not just been like a fun, cute support system. It's really been a place to go back to, to say, wow, like I'm either going to really honor and accept that we're showing up differently with different needs, or it's possible that I'll think that these relationships don't work and and really miss out. And I think that's what's so powerful about human design. Again, it's really calling us to a greater level of of wonder. And you said compassion and deep, except it's not always easy. Like acceptance can hurt. Like it, it can yeah. feel like there's a grieving almost when I realize that my partner doesn't necessarily, doesn't really receive in some ways what I'm offering in the way that I want him to, he might appreciate a lot of other things, but if it's not speaking to his, some of his fundamental needs as a manifester, which is a lot of independence, a lot of autonomy, a lot of change. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've had to have some kind of really real moments of saying, can I accept this or can't I, you know? And so that's where the gravity of these things come in. I love the five love languages. Um, but in some ways that almost seems like even more supportive where human design is kind of really having you ask some real questions about what is relationship? What does it mean to actually be connected and intimate? And can we go even further with taking the risk to acknowledge someone else at almost a cost to ourselves, um, obviously in a healthy space and, and not compromising our boundaries or needs or wants. But yeah, it's, it's been a hard year for me relationally. And I've really come back to human design as a way to say like, all right, I'm either going to lean in or I'm going to want things to, to be the way I want them. Yeah. And that's not necessarily as reality. You know? Yeah. I think it can help a lot of people too, who may be in relationally in this place of similar to, I guess it sounds like what you're saying of, of, is this something that I want to work on? And, and, um, and, and I know that we can sort of find a middle ground or is it something that I think 
fundamentally is going to continue to crop up and be a pattern and, you know, continuing to go the way we are, or even if we attempt to find, um, you know, a, a middle ground, it's, it's ultimately going to, it's ultimately going to result in, in neither of us being completely satisfied, you know, and sort of people may be in this place of like, do I, you know, do I say, or do I go and coming down, coming back to something that's so, you know, foundational, such as human design can speak to that. It's, it sounds to me. They say, they really just say, you know, the key to relationships, they say in terms of um, the founder spoke to, he said, look, the successful relationships are built on two simple things. The first is awareness. And the second one is acceptance. And really it's not not a whole lot sexier than that. Um, And I think for me, that is, that's just really profound in the sense that compatibility can exist with anyone, but truthfully, some people, it takes a lot more work and a lot more, I think of that spiritual level of almost death acceptance. And you know, in my own partnership, I, I really felt like we've signed up for something where there's a lot of the success and we've opted into, you know, our designs have so many different, I'll give you a practical example. So for me as a projector, but not like specifically to my own design, I have a lot of tribal gates and, and channels. I'm very driven by tribe. I want to preserve a family. I want to help everyone feel safe. I want to create communities of belonging. I'm innately primally driven to preserve the tribe, like whether I like it or not. Yeah. My partner is a revolutionary. He's innately driven for chaos and change and death and rebirth and breaking things to mend them. That's literally who he is at his core. It's a signature DNA. Yeah. So for us, those things are so often so challenging and we've really, really had such a profound journey of coming into a space of removing all right and wrong all better or worse, and really saying, can we create a love story? As cheesy as that sounds, like it really is the only story we're creating. Whether we stay together, whether we don't, we are so committed to loving each other in terms of really celebrating that those two things are two ways of being that are valid, that are needed, that are necessary in this world. And so I so appreciate how human design has given me this sense of it's really coming back down to this acceptance and awareness and um, my third A that I like to add on is appreciation. Just yes. really enjoying, you know, who are you and who am I? And sometimes that's the most beautiful human experience we can have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Just coming back to honoring, honoring ourselves and honoring each other and, and how we all, you know, just make up the the society that we live in, in, in such vital ways and individually, but also how we come together. I love that. Um, for the sake of time, but also to not, you know, miss anything important. What are, can we speak to the gates, um, and how those add on to, to what we've already spoken about? Yeah. So I'll speak to channels and gates just cause yeah. I think those are kind of the last pit missing pieces. Um, and so your channels, once you pull up your, your design, you'll see they're just these electrical currents, as I like to call, um, between your centers. And so they're really creating these pathways for things to come together and integrate. And it's it's really the kind of simplest way, as you said, for sake of time to talk about it, is that they're essentially your resources or your strengths. When you have a channel, it means that you fully connect two centers. So you'll see that, you know, you kind of between your throat and your splenic here, you've got the 5720. That means that that whole pathway there is totally defined. And so you're bringing um, to your relationships and to your work, this channel of the brainwave, and you're really empowering yourself to be intelligent. You're empowering others to be intelligent. And so you're kind of bringing that resource just to yourself. People will feel that from you. They're, Mm -hmm. They're inspired. They're affected. They're just around you and they're feeling this sense of 
of intelligence and being empowered in their own intelligence. When you have a gate, it just means you have half of a channel. And what's so beautiful about that, it's a little bit like an open center, is you're kind of seeking someone else to complete that. It's not that you're dependent on them or that you're incomplete or anything. It just means you're attracting, you're magnetizing people who might fulfill that other side. Yeah. So for you and your sacral, you've got the 59, both in your unconscious and conscious. That's actually the gate of intimacy. You're seeking the six, which is the gate of friction. And so when you meet someone with the six, I actually have the gate of six. It's, and so this is a channel of, of intimacy. It's not necessarily sexual intimacy. It can absolutely be friends. So when you and I are talking, I'm bringing sort of this like friction energy, you're bringing this intimacy energy. And so between the two of us, we're connecting this channel of intimacy. So that's mm-hmm. why it's like so easy to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, there's this, you don't even necessarily, it's an unconscious seeking, right? But you're feeling right now, we're connecting our emotional center and our sacral, this yeah. work center with our emotions. And that's why we're able to have this kind of fluid conversation around personal and professional. And we're feeling that sense of connection with each other. Cool. And so I think it's just beautiful. There's always these yeah. feelings, you know, when I tell people about what they're seeking, you don't have to worry about like, well, do I know anyone with the six gate? It's like, look for someone who's kind of bringing that friction and connection. Who's, who's kind of, you know, sparking you, you know, who do you know in your life? Maybe they have a six gate, maybe they don't, but yeah. you're seeking that experience. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, awesome. I mean, do we, are there any other aspects of looking at our charts or just understanding our design that, that we haven't touched on yet? There's so, so many, but I think for, again, knowing your type and knowing yeah. your strategy and your, and your profile are kind of the biggest things. Yeah. Looking through your dates and channels is really fun. It's really self-affirming. It gives you language for the things that light you up and the strengths that you have. Um, you know, we didn't talk about definitions, but those ones, your definition kind of tells you, am I more affected by centers or am I more affected by gates? And actually, because your single definition, you're more affected by centers, um, being open or closed mm-hmm. and even in relationship, then you might be in the completion of gates. Whereas for me, okay. cause I'm split, I'm seeking those gates. So there's, there's a lot to that. The last thing I would say though, that I really enjoy about human design is this concept of the incarnation cross. It's a very yeah. woo kind of yes. title there. <laughs> and really all it's doing, if you look at it is, is bringing together your top two design gates and your top two personality gates. And it's kind of giving you this sense of, it's not what I would call like destiny or fate. It's more just like an overarching sense of this is kind of what your life's work is about. We come back to that word of contribution. And so for you, you've got the right angle cross of um, love, of love and the vessel of love. And so I really like to give, I used to kind of hold off on that for people because I felt like, oh, it's just too much to kind of, it's too abstract. But it isn't, it really is almost a good place to start because then you can kind of contextualize all these other parts of your wiring and your energy signature around a greater theme. And, you know, for you, this is your, your incarnation cross or your quote destiny or your contribution is very different than mine. And so when I know that you're all about love and loving the body, loving about being alive, you know, bringing this here to really be a key, even this idea of sensuousness, like all of that goes with you it really helps me have a greater conversation with you about these specific channels, gates and centers. Cause I'm yeah. remembering Meredith is all about trying to give people a way of loving their body, loving life. Um, so I, I find that to be a really fun kind of icing on the cake. Yeah. Cool. I, I definitely, definitely resonates with me. So, um, awesome. Well, so for those who are interested in learning more specifically about their chart, um, and their design, how can, can someone work with you? Yeah. So I have a website. It's relational-design.com. 
Okay. Relationaldesign.com. And I'd love to speak with anyone. I know this is new and it can feel a little esoteric and abstract. So I offer just hopping on a 20 minute consult with people and saying like, Hey, do you have some questions? Are you interested, but you're not sure. Um, and then we can do like what I did with you, which is this 90, it does take 90 minutes to even get through kind of the overview of some of these themes we yeah. talked about with your type. And then from there, I like to get people more into personal and professional coaching. And really, as I mentioned, you know, I've been doing this um, for people across industries at executive level, every level um, for the past couple of years now. And I'm really enjoying individuals and I'm feeling even more called to partners, co-founders, you know, helping people supporting them in relationship, because that's really my life's work is relational mindfulness. So human design is sort of the path to giving people language, you know, shared communication, shared experience around what is relationship to them and what does it look like to have healthy and thriving relationships now. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be happy to like chat with you, you know, and and share more about that process, but it's everything from a one 90 minute session to a whole annual coaching program. Cool. Yeah. I, I can speak so much to the the 90 minute session. It was really eye-opening for me. And I think also just like, um, I loved your energy in particular, just that you're so present with me and, and like you feed off of, you know, how does that sit with you? And how does that, how does, how does this, um, you know, discussion of, of your, your theme or your not self theme, like, how does that resonate? And it, so it made it feel very interactive and personal. And I really appreciated that. And, um, I think it's, it's a great, you know, gift to yourself and maybe a gift to a partner or a friend as well to help better understand themselves. I think that's like honestly priceless. Um, so, so yeah, I really can't recommend it enough for, uh, for anyone who's interested and I'll be sure to link your notes and everything, your, your website, everything in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. I, I really enjoyed our session as well. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much for coming on for all this beautiful explanation. Um, and yeah, I would love to have you back on again, maybe at some point. <laughs> Let's go deeper. Let's do part two. Yes. Reading. <laughs> Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the High Life Podcast. If you found it helpful and as insightful and enriching as I did, it would mean so much if you could leave a review and rate it five stars. You leaving a review and rating it and sharing it, most importantly, is going to help get this podcast in more people's ears so that more people can take advantage of this free healing resource. So it would mean so much to me, to everyone that's been a guest on my show, and to the people that you share it with. Of course, they're going to be grateful too. So again, thank you so much. Wherever you are, be there fully. Honor yourselves every day. Take care of you. Take care of each other. And I will talk to you on the next episode.